This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Swinburne Astronomy Online, the world's longest-running online astronomy degree program. Visit astronomy.swin.edu.au for more information. Astronomy Cast episode 415: The Temperature of the Universe. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. My name is Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today, and with me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a professor at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? Good. How was Columbia? It was, so I was in the city of Medellin, and it was an absolutely fabulous trip. Medellin is is a city that people are working very hard to be very proud of. It's a city that is up and coming, that they're putting in new metro, they're putting in new gondola service up the sides of the mountains, they are building fabulous museums, and it felt kind of like going to a country five years after the war ended, where everyone is proud to get to rebuild the nation into what they want it to be. And the CAP, the Communicating Astronomy for the Public meeting, is is an absolutely amazing meeting that we had, I want to say, 23 different nations, 25 different nations worth of people. And it was cool. Awesome. This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Eighth Light Inc. Eighth Light is an agile software development company. They craft beautiful applications that are durable and reliable. Eighth Light provides disciplined software leadership on demand and shares its expertise to make your project better. For more information, visit them online at www.eighthlight.com. Just remember, that's www.thedigit8th L-I-G-H-T dot com. Drop them a note. Eighth Light. Software is their craft. Astronomy Cast is proudly sponsored by CleanCoders.com. Training videos with personality for software professionals. The temperature of the universe can vary a dramatic amount from the hot cores of stars to the vast, cold emptiness of deep space. What's the temperature of the universe now, and what will it be in the future? All right, Pamela, what's the temperature in the universe right now? It is 2.725 degrees above absolute zero. Do you say that? Do you say degrees above absolute zero? I would people like whenever I would write an article and I would say, you know, it's degrees Kelvin, I would the the pedants would pop out of the woodwork and say, You can't say degrees Kelvin. So so you don't say degrees Kelvin, but I said degrees above absolute zero. And because Celsius and Kelvin are the same size, you can I can get away with that. So more correctly would have been to say it's 2.7-ish degrees Celsius above absolute zero. So it's like five degrees above average in Austin right now or something. So when it it's nomenclature gobbledygook. It was fun. I would love to have that philosophical conversation with with the with these pedants and kind of go like, is that how I'm supposed to say it? Then it's it's two point seven degrees centigrade above absolute zero Kelvin. Anyway, anyway, we're not going to go we're not going to go down that down that road today. <laughs> we're going to uh, sort of stick to the uh, you know what just 
Don't even think about it. Uh, Wait, what I love is I say Celsius, you say centigrade when we mean the exact same well, thing. Oh, we're going to get so many emails even on that. But they all mean the same thing. So it's okay. Just everyone right. be chill, okay. be calm. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So what I guess – so that's the temperature of the, of the, of the universe – right now but actually the temperature of the universe can vary a tremendous amount depending on where you are and how far away you are from any kind of source of yeah and when and when you are all right so so let's sort of find the hottest place we can possibly imagine what do you think is like the hottest place in the entire universe oh so the the hottest the hottest thing the inside of a newly formed neutron star so this this is where they have just finished all of the protons and electrons happily combined. They gave off a blast of extra light, radiation, particle bits, and and those electrons and protons combined into neutrons. This occurs when a white dwarf achieves a specific um, size, and it happens via supernova. It can also happen when a very large star collapses at the end of its life. So at this moment that the neutron star is formed, it is 99,999,999,726 degrees Celsius. That is that is very, very hot. I, I've actually heard that the Large Hadron Collider and various fusion reactors can Got can hotter. even get hotter. Yes. And so Yeah, yeah they and do. so you can say that the hottest place in the universe is at CERN, but obviously except for the alien super mega particle accelerators, right? So so when they collide lead ions at CERN, so it's this you have to be specifically the high mass of the lead, the high speed of the collider. When they combine lead ions in CERN, they get to 5 trillion, uh, 500 billion-ish degrees Celsius. Uh, okay, so that's the, that is the, the hottest temperature in the universe. And of course, you know, uh, until the aliens send us some kind of screenshot of their super collider accelerating, uh, we take the record for the hottest temperature in the entire universe. So it's, it's so, true. So take that supernova. Well, what, what's kind of amazing is that, that we're able to get a couple orders of magnitude hotter than the universe gets in its day-to-day activities. Even, like, shortly after the Big Bang. Like, it's... Well, short, shortly after the Big Bang, there we're looking at... I had to actually look up the words, because you got... Once you get past a certain number of zeros, I have to start looking looking it up. It was roughly one octillion degrees celsius 10 to the negative 35 seconds after the big bang occurred that is ridiculously short after the big bang so for just a moment then i guess the big bang had the hottest temperature in the universe and then we've taken the you know now but that's not the hottest it can possibly be whoa is that what what there's an upper limit on how hot things can be we we think that there's actually an absolute hot above which like normal physics as we know it is just like I give up I forfeit 
I can't deal with this temperature anymore. This is as hot as it can be. And, and we call that the Planck temperature. And the Planck temperature is one dexillion or dachillion. I'm not sure how to pronounce this. We hit like I left my vocabulary behind temperatures. 420 nanillion degrees Celsius. What is the physical rationale for why that is the hottest temperature? Um, we actually talked about this back when we did our show on um, plank lengths, plank times. It's at a certain point, you you hit this critical, all the forces come together, and it, it stops being even logical to start talking about things as being separate anymore. Got it. Like physics just breaks right, okay, down okay. once you get so, it. Physics, physics stops. Down. I mean, you know, we talked a bit about the Planck length, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, right? Which is that the Planck length is this really neat sort of crossover of mathematics, but it's not necessarily a physical constraint. It's just a place where two numbers cross. It's not like the the the, uh, the I always use. It's not the resolution of the universe, but it sounds like on the high end, high temperatures probably. You're going to get to a place where temperature no longer has meaning. Okay, so so that's like the hottest temperature, hottest temperature we've been able to produce here on Earth. But but something I always find really interesting is when you see these images in places like the Chandra X-ray Observatory, and it's looking at these galaxy clusters, and it's seeing clouds of gas coming together at millions of degrees. But if you yeah. were to like fly through them, you wouldn't feel like you're heated up intensely. So what's going on in those situations? So so how we define temperature is is kind of crazy sometimes. Temperature is not how hot it necessarily would feel on your skin. Temperature is if you looked at all the energy tied up in the atoms, the individual particles, in terms of their energy that they can deliver to other things. That energy is what we refer to as temperature. But if the particles are so diffuse that they're not actually hitting you, you may not even notice the temperature that you're at. So an individual gamma ray has an extraordinarily high temperature because it's a gamma ray photon. But one gamma ray photon, if it hits your DNA, is going to kind of ruin that cell's day and potentially ruin your future. But most of the time, that single gamma ray is just going to go right through your body and you're never going to notice. It's when you're being bathed in photon after photon after photon, like when you're outside sunbathing, that your body's like, oh, I can tell I'm getting hit with all of these photons. So what what really matters, the fancy word is the flux density. If the flux density or the collision rate between particles is too low, that's another way we look at it is how often are you getting hit by one of these atoms? Gamma ray is a photon of light. Um, you also have high energy ions. These are cosmic rays that come flying out of the sky. Single cosmic ray, again, you're not going to notice it. May cause cancer down the line, which is bad, but you're not going to notice that one cosmic ray hitting you. But if you're getting hit with with a deluge of these high energy particles, that is is going to start to exert a pressure, is going to start to 
be noticeable and fry you. So things right. To so avoid. if you were to like interrogate, interior, interrogate each individual particle, it would report a temperature. And you would be able to sort of figure that out to know what the temperature of that thing is. But if you were to like look at like how does it feel, the interior of the sun feels hotter than passing through this 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 cloud of hot gas, even though it could very well be the same temperature. All right, so we talked about things that are very hot. Let's 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 talk about the insides of stars. What kind of temperatures are we looking at there? So, so I still classify the insides of stars as very hot. So, I said so it was, inside I of said our it was own, hot, you know. Well, you said cooler things, so we're still <laughs> right, hot, right. though. So, so inside our own sun, we're starting to look at uh, fifteen million degrees Celsius. So, so we're pretty hot. This is where the temperatures start to um, allow uh, nuclear reactions to occur. It's also because of the densities. This is where we get back to that. You need the individual particles to have sufficient velocity. That's another way of looking at temperature is what is the average velocity of the particles. But you'll have to have sufficient density in order for the nuclear reactions to occur. So in the center of a star, we have sufficient density and sufficient temperature that it allows nuclear reactions. Got it. Uh, okay, so and and you said what, was like fifteen million Celsius. What's that in Kelvin? Yep. About fifteen million, right? Give or take a few. Right, because you yeah give, had a give or take a few degrees. hundred, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so that's hot. And now that's like the 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 temperature inside our own sun. But you can have a a bigger star have a hotter temperature, right? I mean. Bigger stars uh, depend. Yeah, bigger stars have hotter cores. They also will eventually get to the point that they're doing things like um, we say burning, uh, having nuclear reactions with heavier and heavier elements that, again, the physics has to be a little bit different for that to happen. So we start with hydrogen burning and then work our way up the food chain and until we end up with an iron core, in which case, poof, it all goes away. Right. And hotter temperatures. Uh, just permit more interesting fusion reactions. You can hotter, higher pressure. You can you can fuse, as you said, up to up to iron. Okay, uh, so that's pretty hot. Um, what about the inside of gas planets like Jupiter? <laughs> so so this is a, a a tricky thing to get at, but as near as we can tell from working through all of the the physics. Um, Jupiter probably has a core that's around 24,000 degrees Celsius. So we're looking at very hot, uh, kind of molten, crystalline, depending on the pressure. One thing they talk about is you end up with hydrogen that starts acting like a metal. So you talk about metallic hydrogen inside these these gas giants. So yeah, 24,000 degrees inside the center of Jupiter. Well, I love this that that idea. People are always like, you know, if you could like land a spacecraft on Jupiter and then dive down through the atmosphere, could you land on the surface? Because there is probably dozens of times the mass of the Earth in rock and metal at the core of Jupiter. It's it's down there. It's just well, I wouldn't say rock because that <laughs> implies sure. that rock the, heated, uh, silicon atoms heated, he, silicon and, and yes. oxygen atoms heated to enormous temperatures and mixed with molten hydrogen that acts like a metal. Yes, 
Yes, it's 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 someplace you would die. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's just put yeah. it that and simple. It's just a race you would die. To which would kill you first. But in fact, you don't have to get very deep down into Jupiter's atmosphere for the pressures where the temperatures and the pressures raise up above boiling and and what have you. Right, you just go down a few right. hundred or thousand kilometers and the temperatures start to crank up. Okay, that's inside Jupiter. What about inside our own planet? So so inside our own planet, it's it's a pulse pulsely six thousand degrees Celsius. And what's kind of interesting to think about is nuclear explosions are about ten thousand degrees Celsius. So Jupiter's core is about twice as hot as being at the center of a nuclear explosion, nuclear bomb. Um the temperature inside of a conventional chemical bomb, so TNT, plastic, uh, is about 5,000 degrees Celsius. So you can actually start to say, okay, bomb explosion core of the Earth, nuclear explosion core of Jupiter. Just if you want to go there. Random facts. <laughs> now, now you know. Now, now you know. I believe that is half the battle. I'm not sure which half. So, okay, so we've got uh, inside the core of our Earth, which sometimes, of course, we get volcanoes and it oozes up and we get uh, we get to see how hot that stuff is. Uh, and, and there is a great man over on the Nerdist channel. Uh, have you ever seen their their science channel? Kyle Hill d- did a great thing about what happened if you l- jumped into lava and that, you know, that because you're landing on rock. It wouldn't be like you splashing into water. You'd more just kind of smack onto the top of the rock and then explode in fire. And it would just be a really awful way to go. So, so don't jump in lava. Like once again, it's your imagination kind of a is non-Newtonian. A, yeah, your imagination is of no help to you when you think about what it would be like to actually interact with lava. Okay, so that's the interior of the planet. We can assume you know Mars is probably a little cooler inside. Uh, so let's yeah. let's talk about like a, the hottest atmosphere now. Let's talk about uh, oh Venus. <laughs> so 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 Venus is kind of hot. It's it's the Mariner 2 data. So what what I love about the temperature of Venus is if you go back and you read old science fiction books, they talk about Venus as this tropical resort planet and this is based on plain old atmospheric models of it's closer to the the sun than we are. It's about the same size we are. Didn't think about greenhouse gas properties at all. Then when Little Mariner 2 got there, it realized that it's like 900 degrees Fahrenheit, 460 degrees Celsius. It is a world of death. So do not go to Venus. And unfortunately, so many like Tropical paradise dreams were completely broken by that little space. Yeah, but unless you go into the high, al- you know, the high atmosphere, you end up at there's like a perfect altitude where you can have both the temperature and the pressure be Earth like, you know, round and sulfuric acid filled, and you can only breathe carbon dioxide. Uh, but but oxygen, breathable air, is a lifting gas. You can have a balloon. You can sit outside in and in, in your protective suit. As, as it rots away from the sulfuric acid uh, briefly and enjoy the view from the clouds. So uh, it is, you know, people always ask you, like, what's the most Earth-like place in the, in, the, in the solar system? It is the cloud tops of Venus. I would, I would rather stand I, I, there than on the surface of Mars. I, I, you know, I'm kind of for the deepest valley on Mars because that's where you you have the thickest atmosphere. Um, yeah, that's where you have the thickest atmosphere. And middle of summer, 
on Mars is warmer than a Boston winter day. So I'm, I'm thinking, put me down in the body at bottom of one of those valleys, one of those craters, and I'll call it good. Yeah. Uh, and so then, of course, you we're going to do keep your sulfuric we'll, we'll acid. Very quickly pass through the temperature of our own uh, atmosphere here on Earth. Right now, it, it's true. Right now, it's kind of cold here. It can range in temperature here on the west coast of Canada from like, I don't know, 33 Celsius down to minus 15 Celsius. But look, the average temperature of the earth is what? It's, it's the average temperature of the earth, I believe, is in the 20s Celsius. Mm. So uh, that's a nice, you know, the literally the only place we found in the entire universe that's even marginally hospitable to life could very well be it. So uh, that that it's that's it's sad. True. You know, people say like the universe is perfect for life. It's so not right. Like we've talked about all these horrible, hellish, hot temperatures. And now we're about to talk about awful cold temperatures. We got this little place. Well, and, and what's what's crazy is a lot of these hot temperatures are are like the melting point of silver is 960 degrees. So Venus's atmosphere is only twice the melting point of, of silver. It's it's the boiling point of mercury is 357 degrees Celsius. So so we're looking at temperatures where bad stuff happens. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of crazy. But even here on the surface of our Earth, if you had to guess, what is the temperature of the hottest part of a wax candle flame? Like your normal go to a restaurant where they don't have the LED candles yet. How hot do you think the hottest bright blue part of that flame is? Is this a test? Um, I'm going to guess. Yes, it's my Okay, turn. okay, okay, okay. I'm going to say it is uh, 1,000 degrees unit oh, please celsius okay um you you got two-thirds of the okay. way there it's 1400 degrees celsius right so so that candle if you could get your silver in the exact right part of the candle flame you could like you could melt, melt melt your silver jewelry i want to do this <laughs> um, all right, so we were talking. We were talking hot. We passed through lukewarm and room temperature and comfort, and now let's move into cold. So let's go to the atmosphere okay. of Mars. Oh, minus hundreds of degrees it can be right. It can be anywhere from like minus a hundred Celsius, uh, even colder at the poles at night. So, so for Mars, we're we're looking at some place that. It's actually a temperature we get to on Earth, but it's a temperature you don't want to experience on Earth, and it's that temperature year-round. And that temperature, on average, is minus 55 degrees Celsius. For those of you who speak Fahrenheit, we're now down to minus 67 degrees Fahrenheit. The two temperature systems cross at minus 40, which you experience if you go to Michigan State every year in Well, February. ironically, right, the temperature on in Canada, in Winnipeg, sometimes can be colder than the temperature on Mars. That a couple but, of years ago, the temperature yeah. of of Winnipeg was colder than what the Curiosity rover was experiencing at the time. The the day I don't remember if it was Spirit or Opportunity. One of the days that one of those two first landed, I was in Boston, and they were talking uh, on on Science Friday about the temperature on Mars, and I realized it was warmer on Mars, and I was kind of wishing I could be there with those little rovers because it was 
cold in Boston. Yeah, I'm sure Curiosity is like, ha ha, suckers, come back, to, come over to Mars. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's Mars is cold, but it is definitely not the coldest place in the solar system. So as we move further and further out to the outer edges of the solar system, how cold do we get? Well, it's one of these things where, first of all, how how far out do you want to go? Because when you start getting out to the Oort cloud, we're starting to get down pretty close to the average temperature of the universe. But it's it's a one over r squared process. So every time you double your distance, the amount of light that you're getting from the sun um, goes down by a factor of four. So... It's it gets worse and worse the further out you go, and by the time you get out to to Pluto, our friendly neighborhood Kuiper Belt object, um, we're now down to minus two hundred and eighteen degrees Celsius, which is minus three hundred and sixty degrees Fahrenheit. And what? How much is that? It's, that's only a few dozen degrees above absolute zero at this point, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty darn cold. Pretty darn cold. Okay, so though, and that's sort of within our solar system. So now, as we start to get out into the interstellar gulfs between the regions between the stars, the temperature drops even more dramatically. The only thing that's really heating us up at this point is the temperature from the stars. Right. So, so if you imagine that that you are in the intergalactic voids, these parts of the universe where you're no longer in a galaxy, you're nowhere near a star, you just see all this distant light. Well, you are getting photons from those galaxies, from those stars. The number of those photons is so low that it's not really heating you up at all. And, And in fact, you're you're sinking down toward the mean temperature of our entire universe, which is that cosmic microwave background radiation at about 2.7 degrees above absolute zero. Which is really, really, really cold. But it's not the coldest uh, place in the universe. No, once again, like the hottest place in the universe, the coldest place in the universe is really close to home. And and it's as far as we know, it's the Boomerang Nebula, which is about 5000 light years away, and it's acting like a heat pump, just pumping all of the warmth out of it and super cooling the center the same way your air conditioning d- unit does in the summer, it just doesn't have your electricity bill. So it's colder than the background temperature of the universe. It, it, wow, that's amazing. Heat pumps will do that. No, but okay. So so that's <laughs> naturally occurring coldest place in the universe, right. which is amazing. Yes. That is mind-bending. But we've we've done a whole show on Bose-Einstein condensates, just this idea that you can cool things down. We've, we've had a whole show on absolute zero. You can get pretty close to absolute zero with lasers. It's true. You, you can pretty much stop atoms almost from moving. And they're still – they have some temperature because you can't stop them from moving altogether. But uh, you can lock them into states where they're pretty darn close to, to absolute zero. But I, I have to say we're, we're about to skip over my absolute favorite random science fact. Oh, well, please tell me what it is then. <laughs> so, so that, that – 
uh, minus 272 degrees Celsius that is, is the temperature that you get at for the boomerang nebula. The extremophile, the water bear tardigrade, these cute little critters that kind of look like uh, they came straight out of uh, the first airbender. Um, we know that those little critters can actually live to minus 273 degrees Celsius and be resurrected from that experience. So it turns out that this little extremophile that seems to be pretty much impossible to kill can survive the coldest naturally occurring places in our universe. That's why they really make ideal candidates for these these upcoming Alpha Centauri probes that we talked about, right? They're small. <laughs> they don't mind extreme temperatures either way. Uh, they're ready to go. They're ready to go to Alpha Centauri for us. They will colonize the universe. <laughs> um, so we, we passed through, uh, but so we talked about the cold, you know, the coldest place in the lab. People use lasers. They cool yeah. things down to just a teeny tiny fraction above absolute yes. zero. So let's sort of to wrap this up, let's talk just a second about time, which is that right now, here we are, 13.8 billion years after the Big Bang, the temperature, that 2.7 Kelvin, is how far the universe has cooled to by now. Yes. But it's going to get cooler and cooler over time, right? It, it is. And over the fullness of time, and here we're looking at trillions of degrees, it's going to very slowly work its way down toward without actually achieving absolute zero. So, so in terms of putting it into Celsius, which is where all of our brains seem to be working today, absolute zero is at minus 273.15 degrees. The coldest we've gotten in a laboratory so far is minus 273.144 degrees. So we've gotten really close to absolute zero, but it took a whole lot of energy and a whole lot of work to do that because we had to essentially counteract all of the different internal momentums in that atom to get it to stop jiggling, moving, all of that absolutely as much as possible. Um, it was actually a copper vessel that they managed to super cool in, in India. Um, the universe, as far as we know, uh, doesn't have a bunch of external lasers ready to like start slapping around the atoms and say, stop vibrating. So our own ability to get that cool we're probably not going to get that cool in the fullness of time, but we're going to slowly slow down so that all you have left is the random vibrations of isolated atoms. And the universe in the far, far future will have reached the coldest possible temperature. But I guess when it when it hits inf infinite time. Yes. So at infinite time, we will have the coldest possible temperature, which will be essentially absolute zero. And, and part of the reason I'm being kind of vague and squirrely on this is there's a lot we don't know about how the universe will end. We know it's it, when we first started filming astronomy cast, it was we didn't know if it was by fire or by ice. Then we've eventually figured out we do live in a forever expanding, actually accelerating apart universe. Well, we knew that when we started recording, but there were still some open questions. And we now know we're certainly going to die by heat death of the universe, which means everything freezes. But what we don't know 
is do pro- protons, one of the fundamental building blocks of the universe, do they actually decay or not? If they decay, that means that eventually all the atoms in the universe end up just poofing off into energy. Now, every year that goes by without detecting the decay of a proton is another year that says, no, protons aren't going to decay. They're actually forever stable. But without knowing that, it's, it's, it's hard to say, is the universe going to someday be a bunch of cold, isolated atoms, or is it going to be nothing more than a background of low-level radiation? And it's, it's amazing what we don't know, and this is why we keep doing science. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Pamela. We'll talk to you next week. My pleasure, Fraser. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Astronomy Cast, a nonprofit resource provided by Astrosphere New Media Association, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can find show notes and transcripts for every episode at astronomycast.com. You can email us at info at astronomycast.com. Tweet us at astronomycast. Like us on Facebook or circle us on Google+. We record our show live on Google+, every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, or 2000 Greenwich Mean Time. If you miss the live event, you can always catch up over at CosmoQuest.org. If you enjoy Astronomy Cast, why not give us a donation? It helps us pay for bandwidth, transcripts, and show notes. Just click the donate link on the website. All donations are tax-deductible for U.S. residents. You can support the show for free, too. Write a review or recommend us to your friends. Every little bit helps. Click support the show on our website to see some suggestions. To subscribe to the show, point your podcatching software at astronomycast.com slash podcast.xml or subscribe directly from iTunes. Our music is provided by Travis Searle and the show is edited by Preston Gibson. 